thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you're tuned to the guard frequency because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 262 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, recorded on Friday, May 31st, and made available for download on Tuesday, June 4, 2019, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Henry. I'm Ken Shadow. And I'm Tony. And this week's streaming services are brought to you by Henry Warner Cable. Right, Henry? That's right, Tony. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter, at GuardFreak. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so hit us up and tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should come join us live around 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency over on twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you'll consider joining them because the more support we can get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on that big Patreon logo to help out. Another way you can help out is by volunteering to edit our show. That's right, we're looking for another audio editor. If you're interested, just hit us up on our email, squawk at guardfrequency.com, or by joining us on our Discord. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping's done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Henry? In this week's Flight Deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, and some updates from many, many games. Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDonald on Galactic Public Radio. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head up to the Flight Deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach. Checker screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. In Elite Dangerous, the Guardian Tech corporate war is over, and the new advanced multi-cannons, well, they really aren't advanced. You'll understand in a minute, and I took a leak. You'll understand that too. There's customization news from the Star Citizen universe. Shiv will finally get his 315p rework soon, TM. And something legal this way comes. And we have a couple of quasi-informative, update-like newsinesses from a game or two. And a couple of recommendations or pointers from First First Problems and Mikey, the busy audio engineer. First things first, uh, you might have noticed that I asked for uh, some audio editing help from the uh, community. If anyone's interested in joining the crew, we do have a spot available. Mikey is going to be out for a few weeks, so work life is going to take him away from us for a bit. So we're going to be experimenting with the format here a little bit, trying to set a couple of things out. Uh, But in the meantime, 
what that means for uh, for you guys is uh, more shenanigans in the live show are going to make it in there. So bear with us as we are not quite as maybe coherent in the edited product as we will be having less editing done. So it's more of a taste of what the live show is kind of like. So enjoy that. Have fun with it. Roll with the punches. <gasps> Okay, so uh, first things first, uh, Elite Dangerous, there, uh, as you may or may not know, the uh, first Galactic Initiative is over. There is a uh, the, a new king in town in the Sinufe uh, zone uh, area with the, the uh, advanced multi-cannons uh, by the uh, uh, Zendi partners won the battle. So there was, if you may recall, there was a choice between getting... Uh, advanced missiles and advanced multi-cannons. Well, the company that was making the multi-cannons won. This is somewhat controversial because the people that do most of the anti-Xenos type stuff expressed a preference for having missiles. In their estimation, the missiles would have been more useful than the multi-cannons. But that's not how the community goal worked out. Uh, the side with the guns uh, won. So those that's the new weapon that we got. I don't know if you all are familiar with Yamix. You guys familiar with Yamix? I've heard of him. I yet am. another wait, yet another. <laughs> no, it's a it's a guy. Yeah. It's not a, nice try though. Yet another is a good way to start it. But he's funny. He's a YouTube channel. Brian, you heard of? No. He does uh, space sim reviews. He's done some Star Citizen things too. Uh, but he does a lot of elite of elite videos. He is. I'm going to use the word irreverent in a very loose sense. Vulgar might be another. I one. have seen uh, Sidewinder's I'll, Hump on his video channel. <laughs> obscenity laden yeah mm-hmm. you know could also be uh, used to describe he's he's not exactly known for his restrained opinions about mm, anything so but he he is of the opinion that the advanced multi cannons are disappointing because they are just literally multi cannons plain vanilla multi cannons from the shop which lost their premium synthesis recipe in favor of a standard synthesis recipe for AX rounds that's all it was. So that's still a boost for anti-Xeno stuff, right? I mean, it's not it's not as good as the missiles would have been, according to the people that fight the aliens, and they would right. know. But it, it because right. you can now make anti-Xeno rounds for it, don't you now have a weapon that is more effective against Thargoids, but is also effective against humans, making them better than the anti-Xeno cannons that we have? Yes. So it's yeah, still a win. Exactly. It's just not an ultimate win everything weapon, which isn't it's... what you're not what you're going to get anyway. Right. And I think I think what I wanted to come down on was this is a expectations problem. And I because I get his point. I mean, I see his point. It's it, it's it was it is kind of underwhelming uh, as as a as a gun, as, as a as a module or feature. It's underwhelming. But let's take a step back. This whole thing, this whole galactic initiative thing is was intended to be a sort of piecing together of existing stuff in the elite ecosystem that they could give a narrative arc to without doing much to the underlying like code of the game. They're just trying to pull together pieces of stuff that already exist to give people sort of an, an interactive narrative that they could hook themselves into. And that, I think, is the entire point of the Galactic Initiative. Expecting a weapon that does a lot more or expecting some sort of game-changing or... or game improving let's just put it that way game improving uh module to come in uh that might have been a little bit too much to expect from this it's disappointing to people that play the game a lot on a couple levels number one it's not the most effective weapon for anti-xeno stuff according to the people that do the fighting understand that's disappointing as a gun it's not really great because one of the problems with ammo synthesis is anytime you swap the weapon 
or hit the reload button at the starport on accident, you lose your synthesis, right? If you had 100 rounds left in the gun, in the magazine, and you hit synthesize, or you hit reload at the starport, your synthesized rounds disappear and get replaced with crappy regular rounds. So, and and the you have to engineer this new uh, advanced multi-cannon up from, from start again to get the engineering uh, uh, advancements. It's just a regular multi-cannon, and it's only fixed, I think. There's no gimbling or turrets from these either. I hate it and would never use it. I, it, it's the again. I think it's an expectations issue, and I'm not going to fault Frontier on this one. I don't think because I think because I they were telegraphing pretty strongly that the whole idea of these galactic initiatives is putting together pieces of the game that already existed. Yeah, but it was already kind of nerfed by saying uh, we're going to take away your awesome advanced rounds you can make, and now you can make anti-Zeno rounds. So there's kind of some give and take there. You can fight an alien, but you're not going to have an Uber weapon. Right. By also saying, oh, and it's also not gimbaled. Come on, guys, give us something. The way this would have been useful is for a guy who's an explorer who might be coming to a, a populated starport, might have to fight a person, might be out exploring some ruins, and might have to thar- fight a Thargoid. I can do one set of equipment, and if I'm out there and I meet, I get interdicted by a Thargoid, I can change to inter- you know Thargoid rounds. I don't even care that they go away when I reload. That makes sense. That's me, like, adapting to a situation. that I can, I can play that in my head, you know? I've right. got to make some anti-alien weapons because I'm fighting an alien. Most of the time, I'm not going to carry that, but I have an option. Right now, on my exploration ship, I've got anti-Xeno weapons, just in case, but I use them to fight regular people, too. So I think not making it gimbaled is the thing that really bothers me, but I get the give and take everywhere else. I'm not 100% sure on the not gimbaled thing. That was just in his video. I haven't checked personally, but he's usually pretty on the ball with stuff like that, so I, I, I believe him. Also, there's no tracers. That's, that's probably just a bug. That's probably a bug. That's a bad bug for a gun that does not gimbal because you can't see where the rounds are landing. You know, you got your little pipper up on the screen that shows you where it's supposed to be, but if you don't have tracers for that visual feedback, it's hard. Especially a slow weapon like that. It's not a laser. There's a lead time. Yeah. That's not yeah, a good idea. Good with, yeah. The more yeah, you so tell me time. about it, the less I like it, honestly. There's problems. There's problems. But I, I think, that, again, I think it was an expectations thing, and I'm not going to fault Frontier on this one. How, how long was this community go going for? Four weeks. Four weeks. <laughs> and some people yeah, were tired the, the, the first, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm not I mean, laughing at you guys. That's unfortunate. What? No. I, let me let me let me make this clear. The community goal for unlocking the weapon was one week. That was the choice between you know, uh, are we gonna? Because remember, it, it went in stages. Right, it's a four week arc. First, we have to uh, get the ship built, right? They built the ship. Then we get the outpost established and the technology broker unlocked. Then we got the, uh, we fought over who was going to be bringing the weapon to market. I think the, the second one was broken up into two weeks, but this is the culmination of that. The unlocking of the weapon at the guardian broker at the base was the sort of the culmination of the whole thing. Is this the end? The end of this galactic initiative, yes. So, we don't know if the missiles are going to come back sometime, and we don't know if they're going to make changes to the guns. They need to put the tracers on there. That has to happen. No indications they're going to do anything else to the to the gun now that it's in the game. But we will see. Maybe maybe we'll have a community a galactic initiative to upgrade the gun. Maybe that will be a future a future thing. That might not be a bad idea. If we had good audio editing support this week, and, and we don't because Mikey's going to have to take some extra time off, I'd say we should put the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme song here. All right, and finally, before we get off the elite topic, Henry, you saw something secret? You saw a secret thing? Yeah, we missed it last week when we were uh, vacationing. There are new pictures of Thargoids. Uh, Brand new pictures of Thargoids look very similar to the original leak, but these are more fleshed out. Uh, the, The limbs are in a bit different position. There's definitely been a lot of work done to them. Like, structurally, they're they're pretty different. 
Um, but it's pretty cool to see uh, what what they're gonna look like. That's that's cool. It was much more fleshed out running. Did you guys see the originals? It was all grayscale. Yeah. It was just a model. Um, have you seen the new picture? I might be able to get it very quickly for us. No, I, I mean it. it this I being actually an, won't bother because we want to keep it quick. But and and this um, is an audio medium, so you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but they exist. If one is interested, one could, I presume, hit the Googles and 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 find them. I'm sure also that the it's not official and it's rumored only and they may not be a real thing but if it is the direction they're going you know that leak that they had originally does seem to support the fact that it's going to be first person shootery and the Thargoids will be trying to eat your face so yeah and this is from the same source so So. if we're if we're kind of seeing what what happened with the other games and taking that as uh, evidence that this is true then it looks pretty good so far that it's going to happen I'm excited to shoot a Thargoid I'd rather play a game where I can meet them and uh, have other kind of interactions too. I'm sure it's going to start out with just shooting them in the face. That's going to be fun. Also, I'm looking forward to it. And it makes sense from the gameplay perspective that they won't be having people shoot other elite pilots. It'll be PVE as far as you know, uh, shooting a Tharkoid. Why? Why do you think it wouldn't be player versus player? That is such a big thing in Elite and Open. Do you think it'd be a game where you can kill someone in their starship, but then when you get out, the only interactions you can have is shaking hands? I don't see that happening. I think probably going to be more along the lines of the scenarios you'll be doing with first-person shooter stuff will be against the Thargoids. It may be to start, that's what they do, and then they'll introduce other elements later. But I think as a start, they'll probably just have it. That's what I think. If this is all true. I love the game we're building, or at least I do. Uh, you know, uh, so I, it's, it'll be interesting to see if that pans out. All right, so moving on. Uh, we have some news from the world of Star Citizen in the form of Shiv will now get a chance to fly his beloved 315 but it doesn't have a tractor beam. It, it, it has a, a tractor beam module mount. thingy. Yeah, module mount. It does, mount does not. It would, I know there's actually like a thing on the mount. So there's actually like a like a thing with lenses and whatnot, but it doesn't actually like shoot the tractors. Oh, okay. So it's decorative. It, well, it is a hood yeah. it's, it's not a decoration. It's a, it, it's, a, it, it's a tractor beam. It's a non-functioning tractor beam. So a hood ornament. It's a tractor beam hood ornament. Okay. Anyway, I'm clearing that my 350 R. I hope my 350 R will be on on the next. According according to the 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 posts I can find, it is it is in the the Evocati release. Okay, so the 350, even though it's a different frame, because it was the twin engine yeah. version. So it, it's still it, okay. All right. So uh, so yeah, anybody people people actually people are actually commenting that it has some more interior than it did before and it has some uh some cargo space too so and speaking of leaks brian you put something in our discord and i don't know if this is if it was a leak at the time you shared it and it's been further updated to be official but you 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 posted something in our discord about uh some interior stuff customization yeah that was an that was an evocati leak of pictures of the uh origin 300i customization tool thing so they send out an email earlier, but unfortunately the website is down at the moment, so I can't confirm. Ah. But the origin celebration starts uh, now. Let me yes. check and the email, and I believe I did see that. Uh, the origin of love is titled. So that right. Those, thing, those tools might have gone live, but I cannot confirm uh, or deny. Uh, but the, the Evocati leaks that we did see in terms of a video and screenshots did show the ability for 300 series owners to customize a whole variety of things in their 300 series craft including 
uh, things like, you know, the, the, the things you would normally suspect, like the library and stuff like that, but you can also get uh, a sports seat. Uh, you can change the cockpits out from wood, glass, uh, glo gloss red, aluminum. Um, you can also get uh, a sports yoke. You can get uh, special kinds of bedding and sheets. Oh, you bedding! Art. 600 thread count? Oh, please tell me it's 600 thread count. Nothing but the finest for these. 600? 600 thread count. Terran cotton. Uh, Terran is cotton. that what you call opulent? Man, 1,800 Which, thread count is what you call they opulent. They have 1,800 thread count? I have been cheated. I have yes, been denied. Oh. And I can pay real money for this stuff? <laughs> you can. Awesome, you, dude. You can. During the... Uh, so, well, hold on. I didn't even finish my list. Oh, there's They're going to have a coffee maker a food maker, a sound system, picture frames, hollow clocks. And so, yes, if you want to, you can buy this stuff for, for, for real money. But they said uh, shortly in game, you would also be able to play, pay uh, money that you earn in the current alpha for this stuff as, uh, as well. Soon, TM. So you can spend $3 on an ashtray and a dollar fifty every time you want to empty it. For your <laughs> Emptying it's spaceship. free, Henry. <laughs> What's that? Silly. Emptying it's free. <laughs> a lot of these, a lot of these things will be will be free during the Origin Celebration weekend thingy, or I don't know how long. The, actually, I say weekend. I'm not sure how long it is during the Origin Celebration. Um, things like the the skins and stuff like that. If you're an existing 300 owner, you can just uh, go customize those things to your heart content right now. Um, they did talk about it in inside the verse in the stuff that they're doing right now on the site for this customization. It's supposed to be from the manufacturer customization. So um, like imagine it like you, yeah, like you go to a Toyota website and, or, you know, you go to like a Lexus website or whatever and you pick the color, you pick the wheels and you pick the etc. And, and then, you know, then you order the car. The idea is that eventually all ships will have this, you know, that you're able to actually buy. And so if you want to think about Star Citizen's long-term monetization strategy, it was the lower end ships will will maintain sale after launch. And so things like the Aurora, the 300 series, uh, some of the fighters and like up to like the Constellation, uh, will, will, you can still buy them after launch. So in theory, all of those style of ships will have this kind of level of cost customization from the website going out, going on. Um, and so that will just be rolled into the price if you go pledge to get a ship in the game. Yeah. Um, in, once you're in the game, though, you can no longer use that tool as is on the website. What happens is instead of going to the manufacturer, you go to what's like a, a hot rod shop. And then they have different options than what are on the um, that are on the website. So you can get like flames on the side of your, your, your spaceship and et cetera. Um, but potentially some of the manufacturer options aren't there. And they did make it a little fuzzier on what happens with insurance. It sounds like if you do buy this stuff, you know, when you buy the ship, it's just rolled into the base insurance and you don't pay. Um, if you buy these aftermarket customizations, there is an, an insurance cost in getting them. Now that was a little fuzzy on 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 because they when they because uh, I'm, I'm reading between the lines yeah. between this new ship upgrade system and then what they said on inside the verse but that's that that's some of the takeaway i got from it okay well i mean it but it, it, it's it's you know okay okay so i will say there's a lot of bad blood about yeah. this you know because we haven't even covered and, part of this yet but go on well you know the fact that they're selling this stuff but i'm gonna go ahead and just make everybody make everybody a little more realistic this is all cosmetic this is all no, cosmetic it's not. That's the part well, we haven't got to yet. Yeah. Well, wait till I mean, you get to the, the part that's part, not. 
Keep well, going. For the most part, it's cosmetic. For the most uh, what part, what I'm saying is, <laughs> you should be cheap, politics. For the cheap part, for the one and two dollar things, it's cosmetic. What I've listed so far is cosmetic. What I'm going to point out there, though, is that uh, before we get to any kind of other 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 modules, you might want to upgrade here. Uh-huh. Star Citizen sells thousand dollar capital ships. Right. Let's and put this in don't perspective, have a guys. With that, but they have a potential issue. People buy like a laser blaster to put on their their low end space fighter. So yeah. So it's only like, like you only have to pay an extra two dollars to get the upgrade to level two from level one for your space blast, or you can pay twenty four dollars to get like the pretty decent stuff with the whole package of cooler and better engine and all that kind of sort of stuff on top of whatever it was you paid for the original ship. So it's not like we weren't already doing this stuff anyway. We're just doing it some more because. You you could also just pay that twenty four dollars and get in game currency and buy the buy said things as well. Oh, okay. So it's not just pay to win when you buy the ship originally. You can also pay to win when you're already in the game. I mean, if that's your definition oh, of pay to win, pay to star citizens. That can is pay exactly to win. the definition one. of yeah. pay to win. <laughs> I mean, well, again, this has been this has been since day one I, of the Kickstarter. I know. So it's again, just it's just fun. It's just funny to me that after all the criticisms and the thousand dollar spaceships and the buying, do you have money or do you have time and all this other kind of stuff? There's just like, oh, and by the way, let's see if we can squeak this one on right in here. A laundry list of cosmetic stuff. Some of it's sort of silly, like bed sheets. I mean, all right, all right, fun. Clearly, that's just a you know. That's that's the, the the fancy paint job type type things. It's just it's just flair, right? All right, fine. A buck it, or two it, for it that. It is flair. It's like the guy. It's like bobbleheads. Right. Like it, yeah. Exactly. Elite, right? I mean, it's, it's You're harmless. probably the only person that sees this crap. Yeah. You know. So if you want to pay extra it, money for your bobblehead, then why? why it's not? just it's flair, right? I mean, it's fl- all right. Fine. Everybody everybody has flair in their games these days for a buck or two. I mean, that's fine. But then you sort of put and it's in the middle. It's right in the middle. It's like twenty four bucks and you get like the better engine, the better cooler, and the better base weapons and all this. I'm like. What? I mean, aren't you paying one hundred fifty dollars for the ship already? And now, you- no. The, the, well, okay. You didn't want to win with it, did you? This is the this is the three hundred series. This is like a sixty dollars ship. But the oh um, oh. So instead of only adding twenty percent to the price, they're adding thirty percent. The principle is still the same. Yeah. Well, you could have. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about the principle of the thing. What is the three hundred series? Yeah, it's like the three hundred, the three fifteen, the three twenty-five. The primary differences between these things are the equipment on board, and the three twenty-five costs more than the three hundred because it has better equipment. So it's literally the same thing, except you do it—you have a little more granularity. Like I said, it's the 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 train left the station, like Brian said, like years ago on this on this thing. I just find I was I was amused at his resurface once again uh, in the in the thing, and right in the middle of the list, I thought that was the best part. It's you know, sandwiched between the the bed sheets and the coffee maker. It's like oh, and lots of guns, <laughs> right there. Uh, so yeah, and as Skippy says in chat, it's not only the three hundred series as he says. It's not going to limit there, but no. I guess my argument to that would be again, you can buy currencies. So what the f- does it matter? It did oh, I shouldn't have said <laughs> bad words. They're hard, they're hard to beat. What what does it matter? That's okay because we're going to be doing that again in the next segment here, just in a minute, and it'll be me doing it, not you. So it's fine. It's fine. Break the ice. Go ahead, break the ice because it'll be it'll just it'll just you're you're smoothing the transition for us. Thank you. All right. So uh, real quick uh, before we get off the topic of Star Citizen, there was a little bit of a uh, development in the legal case, not a big one. Um, last time we left it off, there was a motion for this bond thing. Uh, that Crytek was going to have to put up in order to make the case go forward. They're an out-of-state, out-of-country entity. There are hints and allegations that maybe they're not financially solvent, and in part of the contract, 
damages could be that the prevailing party gets attorney's fees from the non-prevailing party. And it's at least theoretically possible that even if there's a, 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 a like a tie or a, a, a split decision, that CIG sort of would be designated the prevailing party, quote, quote, uh, if they sort of win most of it. Now, they've already won a chunk of the case by getting the uh, part of the contract claim dismissed. So they are. So the score is CIG's up right now, right? We're, in a, we're still not even the first quarter is not even really done of the lawsuit, but they're ahead. Uh, they're, they're, they're clearly ahead on the scoreboard right now. So the last where we left it off was I said, this is clearly a sign that settlement talks are going to happen. CIG is saying the price tag to keep doing this is a couple million bucks, put up or shut up Crytek. Crytek's like, and they asked for a motion to extend the time for settlement purposes, which was granted. Uh, so that's where we left it. It's now coming close to the deadline time where either the settlement has to happen or uh, Crytek has to respond to that request for the two million bucks to be put up as a bond. Crytek asked for some more time and uh, CIG said no. And not only did not only no, but hell no. And not only did the judge agree with CIG, I think the judge is now a little bit pissed off at Crytek. And I think justifiably so. Because remember, this judge uh, gave Crytek sort of a roadmap to how to fix their original complaint with the contract claim. And Crytek couldn't manage it. And so the judge booted that claim right out. Now, uh, with the bond thing, that was clearly an invitation to come to the settlement table for talks, and Crytek appears to have accepted that invitation because they asked for more time. And then, according to CIG, they didn't show at the table. They couldn't get the CEO to show up for 40 days, not even agree to a meeting, not even come to a meeting, right? And when they asked, according to CIG, when they asked for settlement terms, like, well, what do you want out of this, Crytek? They declined to give specifics. That in like a legal situation in a, in a settlement when there's a threat of a lawsuit or when a lawsuit's pending, that is really disingenuous, especially when you asked for more time from the judge and the judge gave it to you. To not even come with a concrete offer that's being subject to, you know, back and forth bargaining, that's a dumb move. That was just not good. And I've, I've criticized Ortwin and his dumb moves before, and I'm going to go ahead and drop the hammer on Crytek on this one. That's just dumb. Don't ask the judge for more time and then not show up. Dumb. So that's strike two for Crytek. They didn't they didn't rise to the occasion when the judge told them how to fix their complaint. Maybe they couldn't. Maybe they didn't have the facts available for reasons we've discussed. Or it might be hiding things and they hired all of Crytek's people and they might just not have the emails anymore or whatever. I mean, there's reasons why you might not be able to rise to that occasion. Strike one, not a big deal. This is strike two. When the judge gave them the extra chance and they didn't take it, that's not good. The next time they screw up, the judge will drop his, the hammer on them. Like, bad. So, it's not looking good for Crytek on this one. Not looking good. So, are we done with all this? Is this over then, pretty much? It should be soon. Well, either Crytek puts up a $2 million bond or this is or they're done. I mean, that that's kind of where it's at right now. So, why wouldn't they show up? Are they just... Is the, the CEO just that mad and, that, and he just won't he won't even dignify them? No, my my read on this, my supposition is that for going back from to the very beginning, the the question was always is Crytek enough for blood or do they just want compensation? Do they want money for their damages to the tune that they feel like they've been hurt? The fact that they apparently lost interest 
didn't show up for settlement talks seems to me like they were in it for blood and when when the you know their their complaint got knocked down it wasn't knocked out it was just knocked down a little bit what was left over clearly wasn't going to put CIG out of business right it would there I still think that there could be damages proven depending on how the evidence turns out but it, it wasn't the death blow it wasn't a death blow anymore once that got once that motion to dismiss got taken out so I think they just don't care anymore and now it's down to do we want to appeal it do we want to take this up to the next level but why would well, you want I, to? I can understand not caring anymore but why wouldn't that seems like a lot of money to flush down the toilet when potentially they could get something out of second in a settlement right yeah theoretically but you have to come to the table and say we think what we think the remaining claims in this lawsuit are worth x because we believe we're going to find evidence of these things and we believe their damages will be calculated at this number that takes some work that takes some thinking and on, on in crytek's defense it's very speculative right because if they ha- are having trouble finding proof and they believe that the proof of these allegations are in the hands of the people that abandoned them and went to CIG, they- there's problems. But you got to be able to point to some things that they expect to find and then that when the- if they are able to prove it would translate to these damages, right? But you got to have Crytex buy-in. you got to have uh, uh, some thought and some uh, exercise done by the officers and directors of Crytek to say, this is what happened. We think this is what the consequences are. This is what it's worth. You got to have a price tag because that's what it is. It's just a, it's a pile of money changing hands. And if you can't even put a price tag on how you were hurt, then you're not serious about the lawsuit. And if you're not serious about the lawsuit, you're wasting the judge's time. And if you're wasting a federal judge's time, there will be consequences. And finally, for our little segment here today, we've got some uh, quick updates on a bunch of different games. You may recall, longtime listeners of the show, that uh, a few weeks ago we did a, a sort of a where the hell is everybody sort of roundup. Everyone's was going to release in early 2019, and this is going to come out the first week of June, the show. And early 2019 is just about officially over. So we had questions, and we're going to bring you some answers, as well as some suggestions of new things that are on our radar kind of hit, do some quick hits here first. The big news, and I think we probably ought to address this first and probably take the most time with it, is Descent. Uh, Brian, the news hound, not only brought us a Star Citizen leak, but also some news from Descent. Uh, it doesn't, it's not looking good for Descent, guys. Um, there was a, a um, post by Wingman over on, I think it was the forums, or it was a pri- private Discord, I think is what it was. And I, was it a private Discord or was it just the Descent Discord? Somebody said, uh, uh, the, the, somebody said private Discord. I, I'm not 100% sure. But it got, yeah, it got, po- it, uh, screenshots of the conversation got posted to Reddit. Um, essentially what happens is um, late last year, um, the the guys at uh, Descent, Descendant Studios, uh, basically got to the point where they were ready for a beta release. And this is a fully functional, fully done uh, single-player storyline, uh, a whole bunch of updates to multiplayer, I believe, etc. And they needed it to go through a more broader testing focus. Yeah, this is this is the, this would be the uh, the guard frequency response, uh, guard frequency podcast standard beta definition, which would be feature complete and content complete, but needs a polishing pass. They, yeah. but And so they got to that point. They also got to the point where they had uh, new marketing materials provided by their publisher. And the new marketing materials were uh, subpar. Apparently, they had nothing to do with the game at all. 
So uh, the same team actually took a week to redo the marketing materials that the publisher paid for. And then when they got to actually get, they had to get permission from the publisher to actually launch, uh, the the publisher said no. And the publisher gave them apparently a whole bunch of demands that were not anything about like what the game is built on. It sounds like, you know, the publisher wanted to take the game in more of an arcadey direction, et cetera. And they refused. The phrase double points. Double points, yes. Apparently one of of the CEOs of the publisher used to work for Barbie games. So you could take that. (sighs) And, uh, you know, it's, it's the classic, it's, it's, it's pretty classic in terms of like, uh, a suit men kind of game responses is from, from apparently from wingman. Um, anyway, the, the publisher is not only refusing to, um, let them publish. They're also withholding money. So the, the studio is running dry. Everyone has second jobs at this point and the, they're slowly working on it, but the code is ready to publish. They just can't get legal permission to do so. And so, um, they believe the publishers are now breach of contact contract by, by by not giving them money and not giving them publishing permission. So now they're fighting them legally to get the the rights to actually publish the content they already have. Unfortunately, and to to, to, to mount uh, more trouble on this, the servers are potentially going to get shut down until this the issue is solved because they can't afford the fifteen hundred dollars per month that it takes to run the multiplayer servers for Descent Underground. So um, whenever, I guess, the situation solved, the servers will come back up, but uh, you may see your matchmaking capabilities uh, vaporized in the next month or so. Yeah, so, you know, we rag on the whole, I, I do anyway, I rag on the whole Star Citizen, you know, thing, uh, insufficient supervision and all other kind of stuff. This is like the other end of the spectrum, right? You have incompetent supervision. You have a publisher who's supposedly supposed to, you know, ride herd on the developer and keep things moving according to a schedule and, and, and hit the milestones and, and publish and deliver on time. This is like the mirror image opposite of what a publisher should be doing. Uh, they are trying to remake a game the developers already had a clear vision of that the publisher supposedly bought into when they decided to support the game and publish it. Now trying to, at the 11th hour, change the direction and the focus of the game, uh, making a lot of demands because they think they understand the market better than the people that created the game, that got the IP from the original publisher, that went through their own Kickstarter to make the thing happen, that already have fans and customers that have played the game and say, yeah, this is what, you, what we want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So What's their way out? Yeah. How do they get out of this and get their game out? Uh, lawyers is, for, is the current answer. Because the... That's usually the is answer. It gonna, but, I think it's yeah, the answer to most things. When you say lawyers, do you mean they're going to end up having to buy the rights out from this publisher? So the the story, so uh, so the, the the publisher is in breach of contract. Ish. So what exactly that means? Allegedly, yes, Tony would have to say. But apparent in terms mm. of ownership, the the publisher owns a portion of the assets that were created with their money, and the, but the bulk of the game is either owned by. Um, Descendant Studios are in some cases interplay, you know, in terms of the license, in terms of like the names and stuff. So um, what they would probably have to do is recreate some of those pieces of content in order to replace them if they if they got out of the contract or they or they get like they bought out those pieces of content rights from the publisher. Right. It's a little bit of a Mexican standoff. You know, neither party can move forward without the permission of the other. Um, uh, Descendant Studios went to Interplay and got the license. 
So that belongs to Descendant Studios, but they have entered into a contract, a publishing contract with Little Orbit that says, we will let you be in charge of the releasing of our license, right? You can manage the release of our license. You have the right to say go, no go, because you're the one sort of taking but the risk they, of the success. Don't these contracts usually have some type of uh, metrics, uh, performance metrics on, based on them? Yeah, and usually it's a one-way street. The developer owes the publisher stuff, and the publisher, you know, the only thing the publisher owes the developer is on-time payments. And that's where the alleged breach of contract comes in, that if they're withholding money for the development and release of the game and the marketing materials and so on, then they're the ones that broke the contract. And theoretically, the way it should happen is Descendant Studios should be able to right. get out of it. They should be able to avoid the contract. They, they had, it, but they have to prove they're, those They're things. also saying Little Orbit is gunning for the full rights to all the assets in the game to get it released as well. This is a pretty this is a pretty common private equity hold up game hostile takeover type deal. You get your hooks into somebody and uh, you know because they need some cash to finish up something to finish up. So you get you get some rights, right? You sign some things and maybe there's a couple of kind of squishy paragraphs in there or whatever that aren't exactly clearly defined, some terms that go a little bit nebulous on you. And then you squeeze. You squeeze a little bit. And you say, ah, you know, this isn't what we wanted or this isn't what our marketing or research says that is good. So we're going to need you to make some changes before we release. And then the developer goes, what the hell? That was never, that was never part of our deal. Pray I don't alter it further. I mean, it's exactly that. Okay, that's exactly what's going on right now. And so as a developer, you have the choice to either accede to the demands and give the publisher what they want in order for them to keep supporting you, or you put up two middle fingers and risk walking away from your game. Because unless the the, develop, the publisher gives you the green light, you can't publish because you gave that right away in exchange for money. The only the, the solution is get out of the contract, and that's what that's what uh, the Senate guys are trying to do. And it's not easy because you got to convince somebody without filing a lawsuit that your position sucks and if we sue you we will win and you will lose and we'll both be out money for lawyers the publisher says we have better lawyers than you and you're poor screw you and that can be the end of the game literally in this case and that's that sucks let's not extend this argument too much to what just happened with star citizen and the private equity 46 million dollars they just got but that's the same kind of thing that can happen if uh, if things get out of if things get out of hand, so if one of these new Star Citizen uh, big supporters, these corporate guys, goes double points, then we could have a problem. Yeah, given what we know about the Star Citizen equity investors, that seems unlikely at this point. It seems that it's unlikely that that's the sort of thing that would happen. Little Orbit and their Barbie executive guy—they're just—they just seem dumb, and they seem. They arrogant, I'm going to say, because they. Oh, we know better. You know, you guys couldn't even get your game done. You had a, you had a Kickstarter for 600 grand. You guys are small potatoes. <laughs> we know better, and and I think there's some of that flavor going too. But it's also a pretty classic private equity squeeze. So, uh, it it pains me to see uh, those descendant guys in this position because I mean Eric's a swell guy. I like I liked him. The minute I saw his first video, and I went down and hung out with the guys at uh, CAG Austin for a day, he's just he's the he's he's the same guy in the videos as he is in person. He is. He's not it's it, he's a genuine 
just real person. And, and all the other guys that he took with him uh, when, when they left CIG, they're all real people that are nice and that they are cool to hang out with. Um, and so it just pains me to see this happening. So if you if you guys want some just some free legal shouting, guys, you holler at me. Uh, my uh, my opinions are good for educational entertainment purposes only. <laughs> uh, for real legal advice, please consult an attorney licensed in your jurisdiction. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you guys are in. Uh, I, my heart goes out to those guys. Okay, but let's not like, let's not end on a down note because there's some other fun and cool games going on too. Oh yeah, there's a lot of good games. I don't know how many you want to talk about. As many as we can, as quickly as we can. Um, no Man's Sky, Henry. I uh, didn't research that one. All I know about No oh, Man's Sky okay. is I'm waiting it's for Beyond. It's not worth researching. Uh, of course not. Is too. Uh, just real quick, it, it, we'll just kind of do some quick hits here. It looks like maybe what we thought about June 2019 might actually turn out to be July or August. Just some internet rumors, nothing official yet, but it, it seems like maybe they're going to push it out a little farther to get those uh, updates for the VR and for uh, better multiplayer support. Um, and so that's that's maybe pushed back a little bit, but still summer. I'd like to say that's a better idea than releasing it, telling us those features are there, and then when a, a player puts on a VR headset and says, it's not VR, going, oh, I didn't think you'd find it that fast. Because that's what happened <laughs> yeah. with their original release. That's exactly what happened with multiplayer. Yeah. So maybe oh, y'all looked? Oh, the multiplayer's not really there. <laughs> I forgot to write those codes. <laughs> so... Maybe they've learned from the past. Let's hope so. Maybe. All right. Uh, so, but I, here's here's one you do know about, Henry Kerbal. Yeah, and big update hit for Kerbal today. Um, all of the new parts are in for like the robotic parts. There's actually things to f- find when you go to a planet um, and explore. You can find like little outcrops to study and things like that. Um, really cool stuff. The thing that uh, playing with it that gets me though, and I feel a little stupid saying it is. It's very complex to get, like, walking creations working. And they show this in their trailer, even. They're like, hey, look at these walking creations. They're very difficult. <laughs> and, and I'm a Kerbal player. I play a lot of Kerbal. <laughs> difficult is part of the game. <laughs> Excuse me. But I, I feel like they're shooting themselves in the foot with some of these, uh, some of the ways they have these uh, things being, like, programmed in-game. They've got, like, a WYSIWYG editor for programming legs. It's kind of strange. Mm. I didn't really get it. It seemed very convoluted to me. And it seems like... Uh, the only kind of people that are going to play it are people that are really into Kerbal already. So I feel like I right. feel like and, I shouldn't complain people, about that because it's such a Kerbal type experience. So, but you just use the word WYSIWYG in a sentence trying to say how complicated something was. Not everybody might know what WYSIWYG stands. Yeah, for. Yeah, well, it's like you're you're in a graphical editor trying to program visually what the legs are going to do with like a graph. What you see is what you get. Yes, I should have defined that it's better. The, but it's yeah, so, and but, maybe that's not but, even the best word because it's like a graph that shows how the legs are going to walk. Um, right, but but it's, it's, so that gives you an idea of the level of complexity. It's so, it's complex, yeah. but it, it is cool. There are definitely more great things you can do. Um, and there's always, you know, when you're in a building game, new parts is always fun. So very, very much looking forward to getting some more time with that. I didn't get much time with it today. So uh, a couple things from the uh, from the peanut gallery, uh, from the Star Citizen staff chat. Uh, we did, we had a suggestion from uh, Ben, First First Problems, Sanders, that we should check out a game called Starbase. Hmm. Uh, so, it, and Henry, I think, did you take a look at that too? Yeah, a bit? very or? neat looking. It looks good. It looks good. All the characters, everything's very repetitive. Like, all the characters are a different color of the same robot. Um, that kind right. of thing. So, I don't know how far along um, development is. I saw two videos of it. Um, this isn't out yet, right? 
This no, is like a, yeah, so. so this is like an announcement trailer, and the, you know I saw a lot of like repetitive blocks and things. It's a building game with blocks. It reminds me a whole lot of the hype that was around uh, Space Engineers in the beginning, like their vision. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems better realized. Like by far, it's much better looking, and it looks like they are taking a path of not putting quite as much stuff to do in it. There's no planets, that kind of stuff. So it might be something that gets better realized with a smaller uh, vision. <laughs> and what they are doing looks really good. So It's got kind of a dual universe kind of vibe to it, too. And yep. Uh, yep. The, the, the little um, segment there where the, person, the, the robot's installing a door and then opening a panel to program the door um, was a little concerting. But uh, disconcerting, but uh, <laughs> um, I liked how yeah. they were cutting through the doors, and they were like cutting out shapes, and then it falls out, and then they're walking through the hole. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, and I like the construction. You know, in in Space Engineers, you hold a button, and you have a tool up, and you see a little animation, and the block forms like a panel appears in front of you, then another one, and it pops in. I like how this almost feels like you're spraying a 3D print into the world. Yeah, 3D printing, yeah. I do That's like that. It looked like 3D and printing, And they use yeah. that same kind of effect when you're cutting through doors, which makes it feel, like, really organic and neat. It feels uh, it feels good. I like it. Um, yeah, we've, we've had the discussion before about how uh, mining in a lot of these games is just different versions of shooting lasers at a rock. Yep. This, this version of building makes it feel a little more real, yeah. like a little more plausible. I like and it. it, is, it yeah, it did seem it's it's those little things. This is a little touch that seemed nice. But so another uh, sort of building uh, Avorion uh, space engineers, uh, even Kerbal kind of uh, uh, category. Not maybe strictly a space sim, but it, it has uh, apparently it has space track. fighters and spaceships that you can fly around in, and it has like a whole sequence yeah. in the trailer of them attacking with fighters against a base and doing some it's, Star Citizen style yeah. boarding action stuff. It's one of those games where you're going to have a lot of guys who like to build a lot of stuff and a lot of guys who like to blow stuff up. So they'll download it on the workshop and blow it up and there'll be little skirmishes that people set up. But it's not going to be like an open world game where you attach yourself to your character and to your world. You're not going to have that kind of... It's like a set up your characters and watch them fall down. Right. Yeah, the, the faceless robot thing sort of, I think, lends itself to that uh, analysis. That's good. All right. Uh, uh, Outer Wilds. Uh, Brian, did you look at this a little I, bit? I took a, I took a, a, a brief look at it. Um, I don't know a whole mm. lot about it, but it looks really nice. <laughs> it's got kind of a <laughs> mix of uh, uh, Fallout-y RPG stuff mixed with some space elements, mixed with um, it's kind of a Subnautica vibe to it, but it's... Uh, a guy in a space suit on a suit on an alien planet uh, with aliens and stuff. Now you, we were talking about this earlier, and again, I don't I don't know how about the explicit background, but Henry, you said there was a pretty compelling story behind it. I wanted to ask you: Are you saying Outer Wilds or Outer Worlds? Outer Wilds, not to be confused with Outer Worlds, because you're describing Outer Worlds. I uh, know I'm. Cons- I think we're also describing yeah, Outer Wilds. Yeah, I'm Wilds. also. Cons- uh, this is yeah. From I'm looking at the Outer Wilds page to make sure I'm talking about the right. So one. it's like it's like yeah. uh, 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 like I don't want to say maybe cell shaded. It reminds me a lot of Zelda, the, the game I'm talking about. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if it's quite as so, low res. As, yeah. So as let's, Zelda. Let's, uh, this is good. See, and this is why trademark lawyers exist too, because we have Outer Wilds and Outer Worlds. So. Outer Worlds, and correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, is the is the uh, the spiritual successor to Fallout New Vegas, mm-hmm. 
the same guys that kind of done this. We've talked about it on the show before. It's going to be sort of a frontiery, sort of out in the fringes kind of a thing, but it's going to be in the same vein, the same style as the Fallout kind of games. This Outer Wilds is also a little bit RPG, a little bit spaceship, a little bit all this other kind of stuff, but it's I think the storyline is like Groundhog Day. You know, you it's a it's it's almost like it's, I think it's going to have almost a roguelike thing to it too, where death and reliving and redoing stuff is going to be part of the, the story. Yeah, it looks it's like you're, part of the, part you're of the interacting gameplay. with characters, and it looks like there's some puzzle elements, you know, uh, like yeah, uh, yeah. mist, you know, kind of style stuff. And you're getting you're getting a spaceship and fly between different planets and stuff. A wooden spaceship, a big funky wooden one. Oh, is it wooden? I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the whole thing is like um, the whole thing takes place in a world that is very. Um, cartooned, right? Like the planets might be as big as your town. Not even. The planets might be as big as three or four blocks of your neighborhood. Like the planets are very small. Um, the whole thing is like, like you're a tri, it's like you're a tribal person. Um, and it's your space program. You're, you started in a campsite and you leave the campsite to launch your ship. It's very strange. I don't think that it's bad. I wouldn't call it a space sim by a long stretch. It's like an adventure game that takes place there are space elements and it's not even like you're flying your ship around a lot you do fly it but i wouldn't call it a sim it's a, it's very arcadey uh so you know it, it it's almost like a no man's sky style flight with as yeah. the aesthetics of the little prince yeah it's it, to me it's it's honestly it's majora's mask in space it, re- it reminds me of wild uh, of that Dis- that wild hearts uh kingdom game. hearts or kingdom of hearts yeah Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. You guys know yeah. about the time-limiting so, aspect of it, right? Where it repeats every 20 minutes? Yeah, that's what it so this Groundhog Day That's Majora's thing, Mask, yeah. right? In The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, um, the, there's a, a moon's going to crash into the uh, whole kingdom, and you have to figure out all the events before that happens. And that happens on a clock. And you start the game, you have the knowledge and some of the items that you had with when it happened before, and you have to work towards that cataclysm again. This is exactly that story in space. Your star goes nova in 20 minutes, so you've got to do that part over and over again to solve whatever's ending the world. It's exactly the story, and it's almost done in the same kind of art style. So to me, it's like, guys, did you just play Majora's Mask on an emulator and be like, dude, let's make this in space? (laughs) It really comes off that way to me. Yeah, um, I, I, don't I don't know that that's bad, but that's that's exactly the game. I don't see this appeal uh, as a even mentioned in in our kind of genre. Yeah, I don't well, think we it's may a never cover it again. I don't think it's but a it's fun. But it's, it's fun. got spaceships. And last, there are there are big spaceship. wooden floppy spaceships, and I say they're floppy because <laughs> they're all wooden and tin, you know. <laughs> and it's cool. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna think it's gonna be a fun game to play, but it's not space sim. Tony's giving me right, the shut up motion. I'm giving you the shut up maneuver right there. So, and finally, the finally the, the this one is a little closer to home. Uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlawed. Now, this take this with a grain of salt. A big like a salt shaker full of salt. Uh, the oh, I came across a report. Uh, how I came across that report, I'll get to in just a second. But I came across a report that said, in essence, that the exclusivity period with Epic Games for Rebel Galaxy Outlaw will expire. In July of 2020, and because of a prior report that was official that said uh, Epic Games would have the exclusive on Rebel Galaxy Outlaw for a year, that seems to imply that we'll see Rebel Galaxy Outlaw in July 2019. Now, this is completely unofficial. There's no attribution we're talking about. It's on the Reddits. Specifically, this is kind of the funny part. My son told me, hey, Dad, you should go visit 
are epic uh, for an update on Rebel Galaxy. I'm what? <laughs> he said, yeah, it's a subreddit called epic. I'm like, I really need to watch more carefully where you go out of the internet, son. Now he was he's a he's a discreet young man, and so he actually spelled out the word rather than say it out loud because I I've taught him math. So he was like E P I C. No, it was the other word that he spelled out. But but yes, the, yeah. So uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, you can go to R F U C K Epic, which is how uh, James brought it up to me, uh, and you can look on their sort of super thread where they have all the games and their supposed. Um, uh, listings of when the exclusivity period is going to expire. That's where we found it. Grain of salt, maybe no better than a rumor, but my son is going on places on the internet that he has to spell out because he can't say them out loud. So I should probably look into his I can't see a reason that logs. a teenager would Google the words epic and F-U-C-K in a single <laughs> I, Google search. There's just no I can't reason. figure it out. There's just Unless no reason. Unless he was looking for that subreddit. I mean, where, gone, gone are the days when the hamster dance was the thing to do. Hamster dance. I mean, good, that wholesome was, internet fun. Hamster dance. Good, wholesome internet fun, the hamster dance. I mean, you know, can you get over the bitty bat doo 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 I mean, no. There's nothing better than that. From now and on, so, that's all we cover. Hamsterdance.com That's all we're going to cover. We are now the Hamster Dance Podcast, yeah. so we can avoid all of these other topics about law and uh, bad Google searches and whether or not something's Speaking of epic, Outer Wilds is only currently purchasable on Epic Store right now, from what I can tell. It's not for sale on Steam. It just says coming, right? You can buy Outer Walls right now on Epic. So, Oh, it is out. Okay, I didn't know it was out. Okay. I, I just bought it because I, I, I'm just intrigued by the whole thing and our discussion here. And, and so, uh, but 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 you can get $10 off an Epic game right now, off of a game on Epic Store, so I figured why not. Um, and so, uh-huh. I, I in terms of Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, even though it's got a year exclusivity, I want that game so bad, I might actually buy it on the Epic Store. Yeah, this is one of the things that it's going to work. I mean, yeah. it's, it'll work for it me well, on that game. I mean, we, we brought this game up in this episode before. I'm looking forward to Outer Worlds. Yeah. I really am. Uh, yeah, but that's, gonna, that's, what, that's like two years out, though, right? It's a way. I don't know if it's two years, but it's a ways out. It's a I, I ways out. They keep, yeah. I, I'm on the website, and they keep saying 2019, but... You know, who knows? I don't, I don't see I don't 2019 it. for that one. I don't believe it. Yeah. Uh, and one, last but not least, uh, Mikey, our audio engineer, who is uh, going to be super busy for the next month or so and won't be able to edit. Sorry, everybody. Uh, he says that Between the Stars just went to early access. He and I both played the demo several months ago and thought it was good. It's a capital ship type game. You know, not not the space sim joystick type, but closer to the original Rebel Galaxy uh, so if you liked that uh, sort of capital ship uh, broadside type gameplay, uh, that was kind of fun. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed the demo. The story needed a little bit of work and, you know, it was a little bit, a little bit cheesy on the whole uh, voice acting thing. But that, it, was a dem- it's ju- it was just a demo at the time. So I imagine that the, I would hope that the standards and the, and the execution has gone up a little bit. But demo was fun. So between the stars, if you like that kind of stuff, uh, you can hit that up too. And now that we're all caught up on Space Sim News, let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio. Good evening. From Galactic Public Radio on NC, I'm Spencer McDunn, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. A slow-motion military coup in Alliance space is troubling officials throughout the bubble. 
For the latest, we go to Smooth Furnace and the Xeon system. Thanks, Spencer. Barely six months after the outrageous behavior of top Alliance admirals in the League of Reparations scandal, another Alliance admiral has thrown the military and the rest of the bubble into a tailspin. Admiral Frederick Yamamoto has announced that he will be taking orders directly from President Gibson Kincaid. Yamamoto, the chief of the Zeon's fleet, was the replacement for the disgraced Admiral Riri Nexus McAllister, who orchestrated the assassinations of dozens of descendants of INRA officers. Yamamoto is also noted as being a close personal and political ally of Kincaid from his time as the governor of the Zeon system. Admiral Rachel Ziegler of the Council of Admirals condemned the decision as, quote, political grandstanding that borders on treason, end quote. None of the other four admirals on the council were willing to comment on the record as of this broadcast. Prime Minister Edmund Mahon has called on President Gibson Kincaid to resign, and he has asked the Alliance Assembly to take extraordinary measures against Kincaid, calling for the, quote, suspension of his presidential term, end quote. Mahon went further, telling the Assembly, quote, Kincaid is now being protected by Admiral Yamamoto's ships as well as emissaries from the office of the Alliance president. This autocratic behavior must cease, and Kincaid must cooperate with our investigation or face impeachment, end quote. President Kincaid, speaking from his home in the Zeon system, pushed back against the prime minister's call for his suspension, quote, Unless the Assembly has irrefutable proof of illegality, the Constitution states they cannot force me out of office. End quote. Legal scholars, defense officials, and finance authorities are all greatly troubled by the move. Legally, both Admiral Yamamoto's announcement and Prime Minister Mahon's call for Kincaid's suspension are both unconstitutional. Militarily, the Zeon section of the Alliance Defense Force is no match for a fully reinforced federal or imperial fleet, but is more than any single system in the sector could resist. And Zeons, home of the Bank of Zeons, is perhaps the most important financial hub in human space. To say that the Admiral's announcements made a few waves would be a titanic understatement. From the Zeon system for Galactic Public Radio, I'm Smooth Furnace. Thanks, Smooth. Forensic analysis have recovered fragments of journal entries made by infamous spaceship thief Can Romero. Romero, a former technician from Fort Dixon in the Vega system, is still missing, along with the Diamondback Explorer he stole from Commander Bjorn Lennox. The recovered fragments, according to Security Chief Masaki Saunders, described, quote, an area of space, not black but radiant, glowing like heaven, and being called by voices that didn't come from anything with a body, end quote. While many commentators have dismissed the recordings as evidence of an undiagnosed delusional disorder or side effects of narcotic use, rewired commentator Flint Firemaker Lafosse has drawn parallels with the visions reported by former federal president Yasmina Halsey. According to LaFosse, quote, it seems possible that Hawsey and Romero are telepathically connected by the same incorporeal intelligence, end quote. Until Romero is located, authorities have given up the investigation. Chief Masaki told GPR, quote, apart from the remains of Romero's dream journal, we have no leads and have exhausted all avenues of inquiry. Attempts to track down the stolen ship have returned empty-handed. Until more evidence surfaces, we must reluctantly abandon our efforts. End quote. 
In local news, Guard Frequency Response has successfully opened its first branch office in the Badejo system. Only seven light years from Anseath, home of the famous luxury space liner manufacturer Sal Kruger, Badejo posts a single Earth-like planet and one major starport, Peter's Terminal. While the first week of operations went largely without incident, violent clashes have erupted over the past few days. GFR Associate Director Richard Clemens told GPR, quote, Most pilots and organizations welcome the opening of our new franchise offices. However, Sharapov's hub, current manager, Badejo Major PLC, has resorted to attacking our ships in order to thwart our efforts to complete the Starport's administration. Rest assured, we will not succumb to violence and lawlessness. Even now, we are demonstrating to the people of the Mendejo system that Guard Frequency Response will be a trusted and resilient partner for progress. End quote. Until the next turn of the world for Galactic Public Radio, I am Spencer McDunn. Good night. say he grew clones from the spliced DNA of Tom Selleck and Ron Howard, and that this creation is his magnum opies. But all I know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. We don't need to explain uh, that one. No, please don't. Um, we don't have to explain it because everybody knows that Ron Howard played Opie and that Tom Selleck played Magnum. Is that why we don't need to explain it? That's exactly why we don't need to explain it. Ever. And because of time, because we don't want to waste time. Right, we need to get, we need to move it along. Okay. A recap of last week's community questions. How mad are you about the HUD colors in Elite Dangerous? And do you plan on installing the hack just to change your radar picture? Crafty Crafterson writes in, mad about HUD colors. As someone who's written software who's also colorblind, I just want to say that on this point, it's precisely because the tools are outside the game it works. They can intercept and alter things that the game is actively producing, distorting the signal rather than altering the broadcast. In a lot of cases, the broadcast simply can't be changed easily due to a thousand other moving parts. It's easy to add something to an existing structure. It's much harder to rebuild an existing structure without needing to rebuild everything or having hugely unseen consequences. That said, I fully believe that every game should have a colorblind mode from the get-go. It's not difficult to program it early on, and it's very little additional overhead. I agree with needing a colorblind mode, because that's a accessibility feature for people with a handicap. I get that. I don't get what he's saying about how it's easier to edit the HUD colors outside of the game. I don't think it's easier to do it outside the game. I think that's hard to do, too. I think they could fix the HUD colors if they made it a priority to give them us or give us that ability. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I think the problem is that it's the diegetic interface is that the stuff that produces the radar color picture also puts the faces on the starport menu when you look at the faces. So having those colors set the way they are, I think probably uh, as Crafty Lennon Crafterson uh, points out, it might be there are probably unforeseen consequences to, letting, to having that. I, I think it's more more likely that it is a systemic problem that, that touches lots of different 
potential systems and that no single developer could solve the problem. And so nobody They'll need nobody committee. wants to commit to it. Yeah. Uh, back in the early start of the game, when we talked about this, I put forth a really easy solution is that they, they uh, like they do in Photoshop, you, you, you put your head colors up in layers. Layer one is the is the broad frame. You can change it to whatever color you want. Layer two is the 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 radar outline, and then you can go down to all the different layers, and then you know. I think from a from a graphic standpoint, which I'm guessing is what the real problem here is. I think the problem is the HUD colors are probably tied into their lighting model, and so they they because right, it's diegetic. Yeah, and yeah. so it probably touches a lot of assets, and it probably touches a number of pieces in the the overall engine. It just seems like it should be so easy to fix. We know it must not be because they haven't fixed it. But the fact that a fan-made uh, patch fixes it feels like they should they should be able to do it. That's all. And I'm considering this the unofficial fan-made patch for the game because it adds that necessary functionality. It just also has yeah. the unintended, uncool thing of giving you unlimited shields sometimes. You know, but it's it being able to patch your uh, HUD colors is important. Dude, 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 it's just like Elite Dangerous's game genie. <laughs> Alec Turner writes it and says. Podcast downloading now. We'll listen tonight and have feedback tomorrow. In the meantime, I find it really quite astonishing that Elite Dangerous doesn't have a built-in colorblind mode. As a developer of collection management systems, cataloging software, museums, private collections, archives, libraries, etc., I am aware that supporting accessibility issues is practically a legal requirement for us. So it's slightly weird that games, which people pay good money for, don't come with similar guidelines. If one of these features of this "quote unquote" hacking software is is support for them for support for that, then it's terribly bad that people will turn to this for their colorblind issues, and then find themselves with incredibly tempting "click here for infinite shields" buttons bundled in with the same interface. Imagine if the only place you could buy reading glasses was from the local drug dealer. Just finished the show, which is of course excellent. Uh, thanks for the comments on game development, RE Star Citizen's core engine and mechanics, fair enough. As for cheating in Elite, yeah, it's bad, and yeah, FD is doing, is, is have a difficult job uh, policing it given the peer-to-peer -peer nature of its implementation. There's nothing new I can say about that, about how they can try to detect or, or punish, in, in, so instead there's an alternative viewpoint. The world we live in isn't fair. In a game like Elite, we, should, we have all these coded BGS mechanisms and PvP mechanics which follow rules and thus don't model real-world unfairness. So rather than worry about the cheats, uh, think of them as introducing unfairness to the galaxy. You, were, you work and help with your minor faction, only discover some cheaters changed the rules and completely invaded your work. Well, that's just like real life. Sometimes you don't get the job. Don't get the job because the boss gives it to his nephew. Sometimes your charity aid donations don't get through because a corrupt government steals them. Rather than fret about how you stop cheating, think of it as an annoying minority who introduced certain levels of RL unfairness to the galaxy. Sure, it's it's irritating to get get in the way, but perhaps it's not worth Frontier devoting too much time and effort into fixing. Um, P.S. Don't tell Ryan M. I said though. So said that though or I'll have a whole SDC gunning for me and say <laughs> how's that unfairness sucker um, I, I'd like to respond and say that if this was just a couple of people 
cheating, which is probably is right now. It's probably not that big of a deal, which is the reason that uh, Frontier has probably ignored it. The biggest issue I think we came up with in the last episode was botting. And that if, if yeah. you go out and you buy dozens of cheap elite copies for your org and just start pushing out bots, they can overwhelm literally anybody. And so if, you're, if your org has a faction and you're trying to do something in the BGS with that faction, they can steamroll an entire group of players with little to no effort. Um, because, you know, the bots can teleport around and do whatever the heck they want. I think that's the, the biggest issue. It's the scale that you now have available. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. It, it, there, we don't need them to stop the individual players. We need them to stop the individual player who's programmed a bunch of AI followers. That's that's what it needs to be. They have they came out and they gave their little speech about how, yes, we're follow, looking at it and we can't tell you what we're doing because that will just give away our policing efforts. They did what we referred to as the bare minimum in that show and that's all so again i'm not i'm i'm dissatisfied with the response that we've gotten for it understand why it's the response we've gotten for it they probably are trying to look into it but we needed more this time because of their track record of not not really following through in a visible and uh to my mind effective way so temba his arms wide still waiting for a little more guys uh need, need to see some more Wotherspoon writes in and says, Did Henry really say you don't understand software development in last week's feedback? Regarding cheating in Elite Dangerous, there's no way in the galaxy I'd think of installing cheat software, even if it was just to change the HUD colors. I like the default colors anyway. The point of the game is to go around the game loops, get invested in the process and the achievement you gain from your efforts. If the cheat mode lets you shortcut the effort, your sense of achievement turns to ash. In the same way, to understand players who turn the game into a job and grind away relentlessly and joylessly to earn 20 billion space credits they can't spend... I can't understand why anybody would want to press the big red I win button either. If you're not enjoying playing the game, the only way to win is to shut down the game and go and do something else, and leave those of us that enjoy the game to get on with enjoying it. Frontier could put a lot of effort into closing these cheat loopholes, developing ways of identifying cheaters, but I prefer they put their effort into developing new features for the game. I joined the Guard Frequency Discord this week and am delighted to find you're all exactly the same in Discord as you are on the show. Only the shiv puns are even worse. Oh my god, they're so much worse. They're so much worse. It, like this, like the best ones make it into the show, and I still have I to enjoy fix his some posts. Of them. I read them and I laugh. I share them with my wife. Shiv is funny. I don't get it. I think it's funny. <laughs> well, Wotherspoon has a few words to say to you, sir, and he'll see you in the chat. I don't understand sir. what I did wrong, but okay, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Shiv just posted a, an article about goat larping. In, on the Discord for those people so missing this, out. So, yeah, if you're interested, yeah. Okay. Who's not going to read the goat larking uh, we larping, our case. Uh, thing? Who's not going to read that? In general feedback, Sean Newboy writes in and says, the JYF for this episode is just wrong. JYF? The JIF. Oh. He pronounces it JIF. <laughs> like, a, like a caveman would. <laughs> Jeff. But he but he but he does say it's a wonderful show, everyone. So Okay, that's good. Pringle writes in Abandon Vapor Chris Roberts lies to backers. Hashtag spill the tea. Uh Pringle's getting the hashtag game now. Hashtag haikus. Watch out. Ken from Chicago writes in four times. Four times Ken from Chicago writes in. And the shortest version clocks in at four hundred and fifty words, which I will read. In its entirety, because we shorted him the last time, and he put in so much effort 
to getting it down to 450 words that I feel like we owe him this. I feel like we owe it to him. And this is important because editing is everything. Ken from Chicago writes in and says, Last time on Guard Frequency, the team is back in full force. Yay! First, yes, especially after last week's Inside Star Citizen ahem, deep dive on caves, boo, tunnels and sinkholes, plus ruins, derelict ships, cityscapes, and harvestable, harvestable nodes slash treasure chests, etc. I think exploration will be part of the CitizenCon presentation. Also, showing exploring a new star system would be easy. Even a simpleton could, and did, demonstrate jump point travel. Hashtag Brian was right. Second, vaporware software means no beta, no alpha, no demos released, maybe images or videos, but nothing interactive. Look, but don't touch. I'm sorry, Henry, because I knew this was the obvious reply and I failed to address them. That, and that would have prevented you from making that mistake. The fault is mine. Hashtag Ken was wrong. Third, the Forbes article publishing to an audience beyond gamers means it has no greater impact, if not less impact, than Kotaku's and Escapist deep dives on CIG. People who aren't going to play or invest in the game will have no impact on the game. For players, the impact is due to it being Star Citizen, not because of Forbes. Hashtag Jeff was right. Fourth, Henry said it best, Star Citizen's massive success versus other crowdfunded games fronted by gaming celebs a la Shroud of Avatar and Richard Garriott, Lord British himself, or Lee Dangerous and David Braben, is proof of CIG's marketing chief's skills. Hashtag Henry was right. Also, parenthetically, in a mom and pop store, they don't give you the life story of the relatives hired. CIG in 2012 was little more than a mom and pop company. Finally, no, I'm not trying to make Tony a better host. Allow me to digress. Tony's very much like Johnny Carson, who was entertaining when the joke worked or bombed. Tony's a great host who's entertaining when he's right or wrong. More, Tony has the strength of character to face, even embrace criticism, like Abraham Lincoln, who picked a sharp but often conflicting team of rivals for his cabinet. Tony has had a group of co-hosts, Jeff, Brian, Henry, Lennon, Justin, Ostron, et al., each awesome, each could take over hosting the show, and side note, have on occasion, yet have their own views and more than willing to disagree with Tony. That makes him not a great host, but an awesome host and a decent fellow. So sorry, hashtag Tony was wrong. But even when wrong, hashtag Tony is right for the show. So why then the critiques? To make the show better. Like frequencies that conflict and amplify each other, the interchange of ideas, of hosts, of guests, and the audience, that is the heart of Guard Frequency. As for me, I love the show we're making. I got compared to Johnny Carson and Abraham Lincoln. I in the knew same you were going to love that. How part? could I not read that? <laughs> How could I not read that? That that so 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 and 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 uh, Ken, thanks a lot. And it's exactly spot on. If we didn't have a conversation where people disagreed with each other respectfully and even joyfully, happily, entertainingly, we wouldn't have a show. So but, the short version of that is hashtag Henry was right and Tony is Johnny Carson in a hat, basically. It's what I took from it. Swap out the stovepipe of Abraham oh, you're Lincoln, Lincoln for Lincoln too. You threw Lincoln cap. in there too. Yeah, I'm I think Lincoln he was too, trying to so, say, "What and, can I write so Tony will read the whole thing?" Right, exactly. This I got to put a hook We're in there so Tony will actually read this Carson? stuff about Tony being stupid. Lincoln, yeah, man. So I'll you take it. Brian got compared to Jesus earlier. I'm sure you could have had that one too if Brian hadn't taken it. <laughs> that was high praise. I don't know high praise. I can't do that. I can't. I can't do Jesus. I don't have long hair. We need a Karnak act. That's what we need. Oh yeah, we do. We do. Uh, on the to- on the topic of wingman of wingman's ships that fly underground, um, Tarka writes in and says, 
yet more evidence that publishers are toxic for the video game industry these days. Meanwhile, the public, public cry foul about devs who go and try and go it alone. I feel for Da Dakota and company too. Stay strong, wingman. I'm sure the vast majority of Star Citizen fans are behind you. Stuart GT writes, It is unfortunate and disappointing that some publishers don't follow the great examples set by Nintendo, Bandai Namco Entertainment, Paradox Interactive, Developer Digital, and, recently, Ubisoft, who all support dev houses and games excellently. We, we, we talked about it earlier in the show. Uh, it's a crappy situation that Duh Dakota is. That's Wingman's uh, Twitter handle. Uh, it's completely crappy situation. It is classic private equity squeeze. The, there, there's only one play. No, you have two choices and one play. Either fight it with a lawyer and try to get out of the contract or you swallow it. And Wingman says he's going to fight it. So I, you know, the other thing that I think is is that uh, you know Stuart brought up these triple A publishers, and triple A publishers probably wouldn't have done it this way. Hell no. So I, I, and so I I I question the the C League publishers out there that are going around doing this kind of stuff and wondering if it's just they're not really into publishing and making a name for themselves. They're just into to uh, you know, uh, finance or something. I don't know. Maybe they're looking for la- money laundering schemes. They're looking for a mark. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's what it is. Plain and simple. I mean, and, and look at it. Look at it from from the from the reality perspective. They had a game that was so close to being ready to go, but they needed some money to drag it over the finish line. And there's they've they've tapped out their Kickstarter people. They've already been working for free for several months. They've had to like cut back on. Uh, digital media people were going without paychecks, getting second jobs. They just need a little bit just to get it over the line. And when you're desperate, you you give away stuff a little bit. And they were vulnerable. And a predator came in and kind of got them. Now they've got some things going for them that the typical small dev who's desperate for cash doesn't have, and that is they've got an IP a recognized IP from way back when that people that will attract attention in a way that Overload didn't because Overload didn't have the name. They had all the old Descent developers, but they didn't have the name. And in contrast to the Wing Commander slash Chris Roberts thing, Wing Commander had the tar- the had the polish taken off of it a little bit by that by the terrible movie. Right? People still remember the games as being cool, but. The movie kind of took took some of the polish. I don't off of think that. I, so I people, disagree because I like I the do. movie. Second, I, I, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, but but my point is my point is that the brand is Chris Roberts, right? Not Wing Commander necessarily. He can make a Wing Commander successor, and nobody cares that you're not going to see Commander Blair because hell, he got Mark Hamill again. So nobody cares what his name is. So the idea is that, but for the for Descent, the recognition is the name Descent, and that's what Wingman has going for him that other small companies don't have and if he can get that name back he'll be fine if 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 not do you think the fact that he's got a big following would be enough to bring it through with another name if they had to rebrand at the end of it to to be clear he hasn't lost the name no 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 the name is the one thing he has for sure he he has the name there's no way little orbit's going to publish a descent game without wingman's Mm -hmm. permission 
That's what he has yeah, going. And they, they and, and his studio still owns the vast majority of the content. It's just a portion that yep. the little orbit helped fund towards the end of the game because it was kickstarted and they did have quite a bit of it done before they even went to little orbit to, to yep. go the last mile. They just had, they just need just a little bit more, just a little bit more to get them over the line, just a little bit they more need, to get them they, past the, they past just the need, last they need, they need a little bit of freedom and they need, they need what was promised to them originally. That's the only part. Yeah, it That's seemed like they needed a partner to help them get over the line. They, they should be that partner, get them over the line, and then everybody reads the rewards they were supposed to. It seems yeah. like, and if they were a legit company, company, that's what they would do. But they're doing this. Well, then maybe they're, they're they'll predators. have uh, a leg to stand on in court. I hope uh, I, they will, hopefully doesn't get to court because if it goes to court, everybody loses and everybody loses. So hopefully they'll hopefully Wingman will bark loud enough. And what I want to see, I want to see Interplay come in. That's what I want to see because who's gonna? This is and this is real. Hey, Eric, if you're listening. If you haven't done this already, and I'm sure you already have because you're a smart guy, but just in the off chance, Interplay needs to come in here because Interplay probably signed a very speculative license that said, just give us a share off the top of whatever your sales are. No money up front. We just want a piece of the action off the back end. Hopefully you can make something out of this dormant IP that we've had on our books for years and nothing's happening with it. You look like you might be able to get something done. Give us a piece of the back end. If there's never a release, Interplay gets nothing. So Interplay should come in here and hopefully help out a little bit because Interplay has a lot to lose if this thing never gets released. And of course, they didn't give anything up, but if it's tied up in litigation forever, they will never get anything out of it. So Little Orbit's holding Interplay hostage as much as anybody. When you say step in so. and help, you mean they would come in and buy out Little Orbit's interest in the game? No. No. No? Just show just, up. Yeah, just Interplay is still Oh, you strong... think they'd be enough to push it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Interplay, yeah. Just just look at the night and day change from when the Crytek CIG lawsuit was filed to when they got uh, the bailout from the private equity guys, right? All of a sudden, there's another party interested in the success of the game, and that party has access to deeper pockets and funding. And, and Interplay doesn't even have to really even do much other than say, hi, we're Interplay, we want the game out. What's the problem here? What's the holdup? Uh, because you you are stepping on our IP, and we need this game to get out. What's your problem? Um, that may be all I need to do. So, hopefully. Warchill writes in, regarding CR coding, uh, the professor's company is still releasing games. I don't know how active he is or what role he plays. He is also pretty well regarded and considered an expert. He wasn't just some random ex-developer turned professor which is what I originally thought. However, if they're way behind and they're unable to find more qualified people to do the programming, I have no problem with the CEO rolling up his sleeves and doing some real work. All hands on deck. So this is thing we actually clarified after the show. Um, the, the impression they give on, on Inside the Verse, or was it RTV or whatever it was, was that, C, that, was that CR was doing reference implementations to show his ideas of the thing. Um, I don't know if Chris is actually doing actual is actually doing day-to-day coding or anything like that. I think uh, uh, Henry, you put it as, as more of like a software architecture slash directors kind of coding to a degree. So maybe it's it's a bit overstated to say that, that Chris Roberts is coding the game. It sounds like more he's He's, uh, he's pushing them in certain techno- technology directions. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Patreon. 
What Jeff really means to say is there's no new Patreon this week, so we'll go right to the community question, which is... Want us to cover any of the games we talked about earlier in Flight Deck? Like maybe Between the Stars, Outer Wilds, Outer Worlds, or Starbase? Let us know if any of those tweak your fancy and we'll expand our coverage. And otherwise, how was the show? Are our 600 thread count sheets classy enough for you? Or do only peasants sleep on anything less than 1,800? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comments on our show post, which you can find on our website, and look us up on Discord. And that brings us to the long and tortured end of episode 262 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 263 on June 11th, 2019, so be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Copy-Pasting for Vallis Lowmaster, our artist, Ben Sanderclaus, and of course our audio engineer, Hit Squad, Mikey Lennon and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. This is Tony Intro Sync 1. This is Henry Intro Sync 2. Sure, why not? Oh, well, I, I didn't even... I, I was Jeff waiting for you, been, man. Yeah, uh, Jeff sorry. has been here so long. This Should is I just, Ken Shadow, yeah, Intro you want to Sync do 3. <laughs> it doesn't really matter I was anymore. just waiting for him. I, I am perpetually 3. I'm always 3. <laughs> yes. Yes, you usually are. That is, that is quite true. All right. So uh, I just need to change the numbers here. And we'll do intro in 3, I'm conf- 2... You're up, Henry. Okay. <clears throat> I'm Henry, and I forgot to read that next line. Uh, Henry, well, uh, go ahead and just read it from the top. From the top. Was it that bad? No, it's just we. If it's easier to record. I see. To, we want to limit the editing. So these kind of conversations are really a problem this week. Yes, they are. So if we just give him a chunk to just chop out and say things on the recording, like you can just chop everything from here before out. Beep, beep. <laughs> Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a weavern. I can't say that. You can too. All right. <clears throat> he quivered a little bit when he said it. He quivered when he said weavern. He quivered. He quivered when he said weavern. <laughs> Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn about the latest publications, tools, trips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin nope, away. Nope, for, nope. For, you, don't, you don't learn about the trips. You know what? You might learn about the trips. You might. If you take some LSD before you well, go. Well, you're on an adventure, <laughs> which is a trip. It is. It is. So, yeah. Nobody Good. had to go to drug, drug, drug town, it's Tony. Those, those under-mountain mushrooms. <clears throat> <laughs> There's customization news from the Star Citizen Universe. Shiv will finally get his 315P rerookers. This is Tony. Flight deck. No, we did that one already. Feedback and closing. Sync one. This is Jeff. Feedback and closing. Segment zero. Sync two. This is (laughs) feedback and closing. Segment 472 with Ken Shadow. Sync three-ish. I kind of think.
This is Henry doing his sync for the feedback and closing segment one of that particular segment. This is Henry again. <laughs> uh, and I haven't like got sync to the four. Yet. That was the one. That's the one. Just feedback and closing. <laughs> Dear God, the show will never end. <coughs> In three, two. And a recap of our last week's community question. How mad are you that the HUD color is in a... How mad are you about the HUD color? Uh, ah! (laughs) Airball. You sure you don't want to just let me and Brian keep goofing off for a few minutes, Jeff? No. (laughs) (laughs) A recap of what? (laughs) I give up. I give up. Come on, Jeff. We're waiting, buddy.